The following podcast contains language that is not suitable for everybody. Welcome to issue 160 of Super Skull, it's your weekly new comic day audio digest from Vault of Midnight for the week of September 28th, 2017. My name is Nick Wybar. I'm here with Nick Bertzos. It's me, Nick Two. There's two of us. There's only two Nicks in the studio right now. In all of Ann Arbor, there's only two Nicks. Which is weird in and of itself, but it's how I like it. We're mortal enemies slash... It makes it weird also because we're mortal enemies. I don't yeah. know why we agreed to do this. We, I just like that we keep eye contact the entire time that we do this podcast. This is ideal. You know, a lot of people do podcasts like over Skype where mm-hmm. they don't have to look mm-hmm. at each other. And I think about that once a week. We're sharpening swords and staring into each other's eyes, getting ready to fight. I can't keep it going. I thought I was going to be able to keep it going. We got it's no okay. Marcus, None. no Curtis this week. Mm-mm. So you're welcome, everyone. Yeah. yeah. You're welcome, podcast world. Just the darling and... Future darling. Ooh. Ooh. My name's Nick, too. Start cooking on that one. The little future darling. Little future darling. Hear me rubbing my hands together. How have you been? How have you been since the last time we saw you? Uh, No complaints. you. Yeah. Got a new job. Mm -hmm. Teaching the youths, as usual. My shoop dreams are over. They still let you teach children. Somehow. I'm there again. No one's ever, like, walked in while that was happening and put a stop to it. They just let you keep doing it. Technically, the principal is supposed to come and walk in while it's still happening, yeah. but at my old school, it was kind of, eh, whatever. Mm-hmm. Here, it sounds like they're actually going to be in there, and a lot of people are. So. Yeah. So, Pressure's on. And you are, uh, the, the kids like you. It's a new school year. They're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. There's, there's, dew. there's dew on their faces, they, I would imagine. I don't know how kids work. I worked at a very troubled community last year Mm -hmm. and now i work a little closer to home Mm -hmm. and it's just everything about it for me is better yeah and the students seem happier uh they they give a shit which is nice and i'm also teaching older students i was teaching like freshman sophomore Mm -hmm. and junior senior junior year i remember my junior year sort of Mm -hmm. you had to get your shit together yeah so yeah, these these guys care about their their future, and it's really refreshing. I and I don't say this enough. Hey, thank you for doing that. Hey, so I don't because I don't want to do it at all. Yeah. So thank you very much. Most people don't. Yeah. But once you see that huge, they give you they pay you in one of those big checks that you win at like a race mm-hmm. at a NASCAR race. Yeah. Um, it's not a lot of money, but that's how they keep you coming that's back. That's how they keep me coming back. I make long boxes for my comics out of the giant check because it's no point in even cashing them. So how's your mean voice with those kids? Haven't had to use my mean voice this year in class, but I actually ran into a tricky situation the other night, two weeks ago, with actually. Involving youths. Involving youths? Yes. You seemed well-equipped to deal with this. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a Friday night. I've been teaching all week. Um, my lady friend, fiance, oh, if you God. will. Oh, God, I know, uh, I know. Right. Laying it on a little thick here. <sighs> I'm the Beyonce. Congratulations, oh, by the way. Thank you. It is very lucky of her to find me. And uh, we're tired. We're so tired at the end of the week. Yeah. And it's this, Friday night. It's Friday night. The moon's bright. Moon is bright. We both get home. She gets home kind of late. I get home a little earlier, but we crack some beers. 
We're watching TV. We're having fun. It's relaxed time. It's, it's relaxed the end of the week. time. Oh, man. Like, no more kids. No more chopping onions, I assume, is what she does all day. Yeah. It's culinary school. So, yeah. yeah. We go to bed before midnight. Because you're adults. We're, we're adults. Yeah. And what happens? Boom, crack. I can sleep through anything. But this is, like, pretty loud. Mm-hmm. Shrug it off. Go back to sleep. Boom, crack, boom, crack, boom, crack. What Home are we, girl. What are we talking about here? <sighs> Crazy fireworks. Craziest fireworks I've ever heard. They sound more like gunshots, not really good fireworks. And homegirl's distressed. Mm-hmm. She can't sleep through anything. I snore once, it's over. Well, that's alarming. It is. And this is like gunshot fireworks, not the fun, like pretty ones. Like, I think it's just noises. Yeah. I had a couple beers. Yeah. Let's just say that. So I'm, I'm done. I'm done with this mess. Put on a shirt, sort of. It's like an undershirt mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm. Some gym shorts. And I storm downstairs. My house is next to a parking structure. I'm like, it's got to be up there. You just go right up there? You just know that's where it is? I'm just, I'm like looking, and there's people down at the base okay. of it. So I'm like, okay, I can problem solve. Shorts, undershirt. That's it. Phone, Slight, phone in my pocket. Phone in your pocket, slightly drunk. Slightly and, intoxicated. And you're going up there with any plan at all? Do you have any plan? Literally zero plan except my high school training from last year, which was brutal. And I feel like I can talk to these assumed youths. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It could be an old man up there just having a time of his life. Yeah. I get in the elevator. I go up. What do I find? I find an old man yelling at two youths who have... I have never seen a firecracker like this. It's like a it's like a wine case that has rockets coming out of it. What? It looks like one of the G.I. Joe weapons. Cool. You know what I mean? Like, uh, what was that dude? He's bald. He had the thing on his shoulder. It doesn't matter. I have matter. no idea. Anyway, this dude, the old man, is taking a video, and he's screaming at these youths. And he's taking a video? He's taking a video on his phone of these kids, and these kids keep saying, and they're, by kids, I mean they're like 18 to 22. Okay. I'm 100, apparently. Yeah. So he's taking a video of these kids, and they're going, hey, man, we just found this trash, and we're just trying to clean up this parking structure. (laughs) And the old man is like- Solid. That's solid reasoning. Pardon my French, but the old man is like, no, fuck you. (laughs) This is bullshit. There are people that live in this neighborhood, and you're making a huge ruckus. (laughs) And then I get my plan. Yeah. He looks at me. The kids look at me, and they go, who are you? And I said- Concerned citizen. And I'm like, I'm just going to play it quiet and mean as hell. You're hoping that they're going to think that you're unhinged in some way. Completely nuts. Yeah. You're going for, I'm going to make these kids nervous. Yes. Exactly. Okay. We're in the little room waiting for the elevator. Yeah. Because the old man's done yelling at him. It's time for these kids to leave. All right, he's still yelling. Old man's still yelling. He loses his mind. Starts knocking the boxes. He goes, I'm going to keep this for police evidence. Blah, Mm. blah, blah. The elevator comes. They the get kids in the elevator. get in the elevator. Yeah. No boxes. The old man is like, are you going to do anything? Looking at me. And I wait for the elevator to get like halfway. And I slip in. And now it's you. And the two tweens. And the, <laughs> the tweens. The tweens back up. Like, uh, why did this dude? This dude hasn't said anything except yeah. that he's a concerned citizen. And now he's in the elevator with us. And I just slow walked <laughs> up to these kids. And they were like, what's your deal, man? And I just went up to him, got real close to their faces, said, what's your fucking deal? <laughs> and then the elevator comes out. I let them out. They're like wigging. They're like, are you going to follow us? And I'm like, 
listen up, you little pricks. I already called the cops. They're on their way. Uh, I just want to just want to wait here, and if I have to citizens arrest you, I will. I don't know what else to do. And just to be clear at this point, have the police been called? Oh, I have not called the police. But there are a lot of people coming around taking these kids' pictures. Um, I told them that you woke up my kid, you woke up my dog, <laughs> you woke up my wife, and the whole house is mad, and I'm here to do something about it. Yeah. Anyway, long story short, I don't have a wife, a kid, or a dog. Yeah. But they did wake me and my... Yeah, yeah, yeah. My fiance up. I stood there for 20 minutes with these kids arguing about noise ordinances that I don't know anything about. And then finally, a fire truck came up. The kids got real nervous because they thought, oh, God, it's like they actually called the cops. They're going to put us out like a fire. Exactly. And then weirdest twist of the whole thing. Marcus and Curtis jump out of the bushes. They have bats with huge nails in them. And they went nuts on these guys. On these children? These small children. Because, I mean, that seems like an overreaction. It was the middle of the night. I hadn't called them. I hadn't called the police. Yeah. And they just came out. Well, this was last Friday. So, yeah, they would have been on the rotation to be staking out your house. Oh, okay. No, I I wasn't I'd have to check the Google calendar, but I'm pretty sure that that was their night. Okay, interesting. Yeah, well, they came out of the bushes. Those kids are dead. Shit. And, and now we and now Marcus and Curtis are not on the podcast this week. But I'm on the podcast. So ultimately it worked <laughs> out in your favor. You're like a superhero. I am a superhero. Like a sad superhero. Super old man, Nick. <laughs> Let's do some in the news. Okay. Mark Wade. Writer of comic books. All of them. Really good comic books, yeah. actually. Uh, this is, he's one of the most, he's one of the biggest names in comics in a Definitely. lot of ways. He wrote one of your very favorite comic books, I know. Kingdom yeah. Come. Kingdom Come, for sure. He worked recently on, he relaunched Daredevil. Daredevil you with can Chris make, Samney. And you can make the argument that that Daredevil run, like, is the inspiration for everything happening in comics right now. Like, Definitely. The vibe of Mark Wade's Daredevil run might be why comics read the way they do right now. I also like to think like Frank Miller made things a little dark. Yeah. And Mark Waite said, why does it have to be so dark? I think he literally does have a quote about like, why do they have to be in the shadows? Yep. Why can't they be superheroes? Not like scary weirdos. Yep. And he brought yeah. fun back to superhero comics exactly. in a lot of ways. That's like a, re- it's like a really reductive way of putting it. And like mm-hmm. it was not just Mark Wade, but that was the moment where like, oh yeah, comics can be fun and cool again. Everything doesn't have to be the mo- this like big ponderous dark end of the world shit. He's a great writer. Is what I'm he is. At. And he's still writing a ton of shit. He's been writing books for 35 years, I think. Yeah, exactly. He's been in the game a long time. Champions. His last one was really good. Yeah. Still solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Mark Wade last week called out this dude, Richard C. Meyer, hmm. who I'm learning more and more about <laughs> all the time recently. So Richard C. Meyer uh, has been identified as the guy behind this YouTube channel called Diversity in Comics. He's also written some comics himself. He wrote this book, Fubar. He wrote for Pop Gun for a little while which I'm pretty sure was a compilation book, so he must have had like a book in there, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong I'm pretty sure that. you're right. Yeah, a book called No Enemy, Chosen. So he's a comic book writer. There's this YouTube channel called Diversity in Comics, and nobody really knew who the dude was behind it, but eventually it was kind of revealed that it was this guy, Richard C. Meyer. So Diversity in Comics is a YouTube channel. I just want to read off some of the titles, if I may. Diversity is a good thing. 
Diversity sounds like a good thing. I love, I, I love comics. I love comics too, Nick. Oh right. My. So right off, uh, right off the bat, you're like, oh, okay, this sounds like it could be, you know, it sounds like right up my alley. I'm a real social justice warrior. So here's some titles to some social to some uh, diversity in comic books. Social justice warriors hold trans comic book pros to a lower standard of behavior. Uh, social justice warrior Marvel superheroes are actually villains. Comic book pros are the worst people I've ever met. Social justice warrior Marvel Generations blames the fans for plummeting sales. You you get what I'm what I'm putting down. This isn't what I expected. It's not. It basically is a forum for this dude to film videos of himself in like gym shorts, holding a comic and talking into a microphone about it. And it's just the camera is just kind of like trained on either a comic book or a computer screen where he's like, you know, focused on an article or a tweet that's got him riled up this week. You get to see his face. I in the vid, I was able to watch two three videos, and I did not. He did not reveal his face in any of those that I watch. Seems uh, a little uh, cowardly if you're gonna if you're gonna stoke the fire that way. Seems a little chicken shit to me. But the idea is that millennials are destroying everything. They're definitely destroying comics, mm-hmm. and uh, comic books are supposed to be for strong, proud people, and they are now becoming weakened by the way that comics are written right now, mostly because there are people of color and there are women in comic books when there didn't used to be, and more of them are writing and creating comics. He really, this is not this dude's bag. Why is it called diversity in comics if his main complaint is diversity in comics? I can't pretend to understand internet culture even a little bit. Like, <sighs> I'm pretty pretty unplugged from this shit. And but I, it's got whatever he's doing. It's it's working because each of his videos has like a hundred thousand views. Were they funny? Were they witty? They were in no way funny or witty, and that was something that really struck out to me as I'm watching these videos. Like I don't know what anyone gets out of this for any reason. It's not. There's nothing entertaining about it unless you just want to hear someone. Unless you also think like a moron and just want to hear someone say these words, and that makes your tummy feel good. That's the only like value I could see out of these videos. So this is, I'm assuming, a white person. Yeah. A man. Mm-hmm. And he, it's just his manifesto about how diversity is ruining comics and comic creators are hiding behind diverse characters for their terrible ideas in comics. Yeah. And in like one of the videos I watched, he just openly admits to not reading one of the comics <laughs> that he's criticizing. He just like says that right up top. He's like, well, I could either make a video about it or I can read it, but I can't do both. Who has the time? I have a new idea for a podcast where we just talk about comics that oh, we've never read. Oh, I like the sound of that. More actually, of that later. We'll, we'll, yeah, put a pin in that one. I actually like don't watch a lot of like hate read or watch a lot of stuff on the internet. I know people that do that. Me neither. To, like just go through the comments and just like also feel that anger <sighs> and like get something out of it. I think it comes back to the thing you said where like if you are a Person that shares that opinion. I'm trying to be nice here. Okay, I think we you said moron. We don't have to. You can, oh. I, I called them morons. You can call them whatever you if want. If you're a dipshit yeah. that likes this dipshit's dipshit ideas, mm-hmm. then I can see it like, you know, oh, yeah, get me all riled up. Miss Marvel isn't white anymore. Like, yeah. okay, I, I don't get it, but yeah. that's the only reason I could think it. Exactly. So this dude, after he's been... So Mark Wade puts out this thing. He puts out this message where he says this. 
For anyone attending this weekend's excellent Baltimore Comic Con, I have an important request. There is a serial YouTube harasser named Richard C. Meyer who I'm told may be attending as a fan. If anyone sees this gentleman or any of his friends, I need you to come find and tell me immediately, even if I'm on a panel, come up and interrupt. Wowza. So I don't, you, the insinuation there is like, hey, if anybody sees Rich, come get me because I'm going to whoop his ass. A little bit. That's now. That's not. He made very, very clear that he was not. He was not talking about violence. He mm-hmm. just wants to talk to this dude. So here's another thing about Mark Wade. Just a fun fact about Mark Wade. He is a kind of a blowhard on the internet. I agree with the things that he, you know, espouses and the things that he like, you know, says. I know he's a progressive dude. He's, you know, he's got his no shortage of opinions. But he will fight with somebody on the internet to a fault, and then usually have to end up apologizing for like losing his cool later. This is a thing that Mark Wade does. Yeah. So if you follow his Twitter account, you you can see this. Yes. So he calls this dude out, and they have this little back and forth. They end up, like, talking on the phone. And then, you know, Mark Wade's like, hey, this wasn't about, you know, violence, and we ended up talking. But Mark Wade has had it up to here with idiots Mm -hmm. and with these ignorant, you know, homophobic, racist, misogynistic idiots Mm -hmm. doing stupid shit on the internet and what he says is really like kind of taken him to the edge he put this really long post up on his facebook page where he talks about harassment of creators of female creators of uh basically comic book creators that are not white men and the Mm -hmm. harassment that they see and how it's like what it's doing to the industry it's was it's a really interesting little episode as we're seeing like a lot of stuff from the culture bleeding even more into comics. Mm-hmm. Mark Waite's kind of like taking it upon himself to, you know, be at the forefront of fighting against this. Um, we're going to post a link to his very long Facebook post, and you can kind of read it for yourself and, and see what you think. And, and it's just his thoughts about harassment in the industry, more or less, which I of which I agree with all of it. But my question is, my question for you, Nick, is... What, what what do we do about this? If this is Mark Wade says that we're at peak harassment right mm-hmm. now, and I, I mean he's probably right. I don't see any reason to. I mean, it, it seems if you just go on Twitter and look at anything a woman says on Twitter, and then look at any of the comments, it's, it's disgusting. A, it's a hot fucking nightmare, right? Mm-hmm. So you're somebody that reads comics. Mm-hmm. You're on a podcast occasionally about comics. You do a website that reviews comics. What what do you want to do about it as a fan? What do you think you can do about it as a fan? I mean, I'm always of the mindset, just respect everybody. If you don't like someone's work, that's one thing. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of white dudes' work I don't like. There's a lot of, I'm sure there's some women's work that I don't like, comics I just don't dig. Mm -hmm. Does that mean I have to berate them, like personally? Um, In his his little, I don't want to say apology, it's more of a clarification. Mark Wade's? Mark Wade, he does. In this one, he, again, ends up, basically apologizing but more or less clarifying and trying to be as transparent as possible it's it's a pretty good read yeah um but there's no reason there should be death threats there is no reason that there should be um that anyone should be worried about going to a comic-con and a fan hurting them because of their work uh well not because of their work because of who they are as a human being sure um, it speaks to obviously like larger stuff than you know just comics. We're just in a culture. We're like in a, a very troll positive moment mm-hmm. in in our culture right now, and this it's so it's bleeding over into kind of our zone into the into the comic zone. Um, I don't know. Obviously, I can't pretend to have any answers. All we can do is call it out when we see it, 
and call bullshit when we see it and tell people that they're being ignorant when it appears that it's, you know, when we see things that are obviously noxious and shitty. Uh, but it's an interesting episode and it speaks to, I I think, and I think, you know, I think a lot of our listeners do as well. I don't want to speak for anybody, but that what's happening in comics is uh, unprecedented and unprecedentedly good. That yeah. the amount of representation in the comic industry is better than it ever has been before, and it's still not to where it needs to be. Like we still have a lot of work to go to do, definitely, in order to get more voices into comics, right? But this is what stems the tide: is that people get scared out of the industry because of this kind of shit that Mark Wade is talking about. So it's something that should be on our minds. I don't, I don't know. I've never understood totally the point of fighting about it on Twitter necessarily there but, isn't one but, yeah <laughs> i don't think but uh yeah and you can't you know you can't punch them all in the face that's no kind of solution you don't want and you, it's not a, it's not about violence that's not the solution but you know what do we do about it as fans what do we do about it as retailers i guess i'm just definitely thinking about it a lot we were more. just talking about the wicked and divine mm-hmm. issue number 13 it's about this and it's not in the comic industry but the entire issue is about one of the characters gets just beat up like I'm going to kill you. I'm going to rape you. I think you should fucking die. That kind of stuff on Twitter to the point of like she's considering like ending it all. Yeah. Because she's just so she doesn't understand why are people saying this? They they say they love my music. I'm a huge pop star in this book. Yeah. It's on the it's on the minds of creators like comic book writers and artists. I think part of their job is to be on Twitter and to promote their work. That's like an expected thing mm-hmm. for a writer to have to do right now to like to facilitate their career. And it's fun. And it and it can be fun and it's like cool and we have access to these folks in ways that's like it's completely unprecedented. We have access to like the thoughts and words that can possibly even have like a back and forth with creators that we really really love. This has never happened before in history. But I think it's at you can tell it's at the top of the minds of a lot of creators because because they have that obligation to be on social media and interact in this way, they also get to see the underbelly of that, and they are forced to see it. I don't know, man. It's uh, it's pretty intense. We're, I'm just I'm just thinking about it a lot. Yeah, thinking about it and watching it closely. It's pretty. All right, let's do that's okay. That was very serious. Let's talk about some stupid comic books. What do you think? Um, I. Yeah. No, okay. I'm into it. I'm into it today. We might as well. Ooh. Curtis isn't here. Somebody's got to do it. That was pretty good, Thanks, actually. Man. Nick, did you know that comics come out every week? Every week? Not a lot of people know that. You're right about that, but I did know that, actually. It's a weird medium. Hmm. It's not that weird. It's just like TV. It's just like TV, yeah. It's just stuff comes out every single week. You know what's weird about it? it that it, it The way that it's not like TV is that most books don't take a break. That is true. They just keep going Non-stop. all the time, every single week. There aren't seasons. There's no seasons. They just keep grinding. Comics could use seasons, though. I think some of the smarter comic book industry veterans have developed yep. their own seasons. Brian, Saga. Saga, Brian K. Vaughn, and Fiona Staples take a break every six issues. Rick Remender only does one book at a time. Yeah. He's got like six right now, so he does a book for six months, and then he does another book for six months, and they come out in that order and get these little like 
arc seasons. It's a weird medium in it that is a way, weird though. Because the expectation is that like it's a new month. Where's my new shit? Where's my new shit? It's true. Some books come out twice a month. Some like really big books from really good writers come out twice a month. Yeah, it's intense. That's too much work. So every week opinion. we're seeing hundreds and hundreds of titles come into the comic book shop. We read all of them, and then we tell you them. which ones are the best ones. Those are our big picks for the week. Uh, can we start with mine? Um, yeah. What'd you read this? You're week, the guest. Nick? You should go last. Okay, that's fine. I feel like you should just relax. I'm, to- I'm so relaxed. What did you read this week, Nick? I read this book called "Kill Them All" mm. by Kyle Starks. It's a graphic novel by Kyle Starks. What else did he write? Recently, he's doing Rock Candy Mountain. Okay. Which is maybe one of my favorite books of 2017. It's real funny. It's crazy good. And Kill Them All is very much in the style of Rock Candy Mountain. Definitely. Who did the art? This is Kyle Starks. Oh! Doubleheader. He's a double threat. Now... This book is about it. No, it's, so it's very, very goofy. Mm-hmm. But the plot is like action movie solid, definitely solid. So we have Mason Akura, Aruka. Mason Aruka mm-hmm. was the best cop in the world. Best. The, he was, and the, it just it widely acknowledged, well, at least by himself, that he was the best cop in the world until he was fired for he blew up a city block and he shot a man's penis off. Who was a pedophile. Who was a pedophile. What else are you supposed to do with pedophiles is what he argued. I I can, I can hear that case. You're going to hear him out at I'm least. i hear him out. You're not going to make a ruling right now, but you'd hear him out. I'll hear him out. He loves justice. This loves is, it. This detective, all he cares about in the world is justice. He doesn't care about friends or family. He just lives for fucking justice and bringing justice to criminals. I think at one point they say, you could have a girlfriend. He goes, why do I need a girlfriend? All I need is justice. Exactly. Then we have the tiger's daughter. So the tiger's daughter is the greatest assassin in the world. What's her real name? I can't remember. It's the tiger's daughter. No, it is. That's you're right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. It's the tiger's daughter. She at one point says, "My boyfriend, my ex-boyfriend called me babe," <laughs> and she thought it was an acronym. Now I gotta find it. It's too good. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, his <laughs> so his her ex-boyfriend called her babe, and. They were, the, the, she's talking to these dudes like, well, you seem a little badass. Let somebody call you babe. She's like, no, it stands for badass bitch every day. <laughs> and the dude's still like, oh, I think it's an abbreviation for baby. Like, you're a little baby. <laughs> and she is not pleased when she finds it out. So the tiger's daughter, the day she breaks up with her boyfriend is the day that she decides she's going to seek revenge against the murder cartel that they both work for. Right. That's trained her her entire life. And this babe thing is sort of like, the precursor to the fact that she's a little aloof about how life seems to work. Yes. Because she was raised in this murder cult. Yeah. Basically. So the way for Detective Aruka to get his badge back, or so he thinks, is to bring justice to this cart, this same cartel. And on the same day that the tiger's daughter is going to get revenge on this murder cartel. They just happen to show up at the same place. They just happen to show up at the same place at the exact same time. And they're going to murder their way to the top of this office building to both accomplish their goal. And they run across each other on their way up. And it is a classic, like, the raid style, Mm -hmm. move up one floor at a time, there's something crazy going on that floor, and you just gotta kill everybody. Yeah, kill them all, if you will. There are, I don't know how to describe this book other than that, like, it's it's completely stupid, it's, like, way over the top, 
But like funny stupid. But funny stupid in the best way. This dude's one-liners, these are some of the one-liners <laughs> from this book. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. This guy looks like a sword and a big toe had a baby. <laughs> like Kyle Starks has this way of like just showing somebody's face in a panel and there's nothing else going on and they're looking dead at you. They're looking at you out of the comic and he'll just say something fucking stupid. Like this machine gun is like a belt-fed Mother Teresa feeding all the world's children bullet dinners. <laughs> Just looking at you. I'm going to kick ass until my legs fall off. Like the entire book is just yep. filled with this stuff. And behind it, it's got a totally solid action movie plot. Yeah. They got to get to the top of the building. They got to get Stairwells to the Stairwells are on the opposite sides on the floors. The elevator only goes up so far. There's henchmen everywhere. This boss man they're trying to get, he's Ra- a big deal. Raqueen. Raqueen. Raqueen is good. And he brings, what's the, la- the old lady's name? Baba? Yeah, and El Jefe. Yeah, she's like Baba Yaga or something Baba like Yaga, that. Baba Yaga, yeah. Yeah, and these are three criminal masterminds, and they're meeting up in this tower for separate reasons, but they all are meeting on the day that this crazy shit is going down. He's got this army of assassin women that he's, like, raised since they were children, and they're all brainwashed. They all just say, like, Requin is good. Requin is good. We'll do whatever he says because he's good. And the tiger, the tiger's daughter also talks to a lot of them as though they're just normal coworkers. Yeah. But they have to fight to the death for the most part. It's so fucking good. It was. The only other thing I'm going to say about this book is there's a moment where the detective throws a gun up in the air. He can't shoot this one dude because he's, like, behind a thing or something. He's, like, pelting. This dude is at the top of a staircase just shooting a nonstop Gatling gun down. Yeah, the Mother Teresa Gatling gun. Yeah, and it's, like, raining bullets on this thing, and they're on the side of the staircase, and he throws a gun up in the air and then takes out his second gun and shoots the trigger of the gun that he that is flying through the air, and then it hits the machine gun dude in the Square face. Square in the face. At the top of the stairs. It's just too good. It's, it's great action. It's great action. It's like super competently done. Like you can, the panels work really, really well, but mostly it's just fucking funny and crazy good. Yeah. That, so let's kill them all. You had a chance to read this, right? Yeah. We've most been talking of it. about it the whole time. This is, uh, have you read anything else by this dude? Are you reading Rock Candy Mountain? Rock Candy Mountain, I've read, uh, I think I read Sex Castle a long yeah. time ago, but I don't remember it very well. I met him at a Comic-Con, too. He was really nice. Was he, uh, was he funny? He was funny. It was just nonstop jokes. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure there was a reason that him, Erica Henderson, and Chip Zdarsky were all sitting next to each other. Yeah, that's the cool table. Yeah. I also mistook his assistant for him because I have no idea what- God damn it, I've done that. Kyle Starks looks like- conventions, man. Oh my God. His assistant was really funny. He was like, oh yeah, you really like the book, blah, blah, blah. Oh, here, meet my friend Kyle Starks. And I was like, uh, uh, uh. And then he said he's been doing that all day because yeah. no one knows what he looks like. That's a thing. Fine. I don't know what a lot of these dudes look like. I have very little knowledge of what most of them look like. And I like I like them a lot and spend a lot of time reading their shit and thinking about these dudes. And I, I just don't know what most of them look like. I you don't have a poster of your favorite comic book artist above I, your bed? I don't. I do not. He's also writing Rick and Morty, I believe. Kyle Starks? Yeah. Ooh. I think he's currently writing Rick and Morty. I so. would read that. So this is from Oni Press, Kill Them All from Kyle Starks. That's my big pick this week. It's a quick, it's a graphic novel, but you'll crush it and then you'll want to read it again because there's just, it's so jam-packed with jokes. Maybe an hour it would have taken me if I would have sat there in one sitting because I could have just kept going, but I got caught up at work. Yeah. He looks like a machine gun fighting a paper bag. That's a thing that somebody just says (laughs) at one point. Hey, what was your pick, buddy? Who, me? Yes, you. Nick? I don't think we're saying our names enough. You don't think we we're are we not taking advantage of this opportunity to say our own names a lot? I don't think we are, Nick. Well, Nick. Yes, Nick. What was your pick, Nick? Well, Nick. 
Uh, my pick this week was Rat Queen Special Orc Dave Number One. This is a one shot from Image Comics. You're a big or- Rat Queens fan, are you? No, really? Yeah, I've never. I'm okay. I'm not not an Orc uh, Rat Queens fan. I've just it's been under my radar. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard about some of the ill doings of the artist. Was that was that this book? There was a thing, yeah, the original artist of this book is no longer the artist of this book because of shittiness. Because of shittiness, and yeah. also, like, it kept changing artists, and I don't know if it There was a huge changing, delay at one point. Huge delay, and I just kept putting it off. I think I have the first trade. I just didn't read it. The premise seemed cool, but I don't know anything about it. So the premise, also, just real quick, if I may, just for folks that are not familiar with Rat Queens, it's basically like a D&D adventuring group. They're all women, and they all drink a lot, and they all party a lot, and they're uh, they they go out and take jobs to go kill monsters and stuff. That's the jump off. Okay, see, like I that was my rudimentary understanding of Rat Queens. Yeah, this came out. Definitely didn't think it was going to be my big pick, but having read it, um, Orc Dave is apparently a character in the Rat Queens. Yes, and this is his first one shot, and this is just. Orc Dave wakes up one day and he starts going for a walk with his father and they have these long discussions. You get this tension that maybe him and his dad aren't as close as they could be and you get a little appearance from the Rat Queens who I could recognize, obviously. I've seen them. but Yeah, they show up for just a couple pages, yeah. Yeah, like one or two pages and they're super funny and then there's a passing of the torch, more discussion and it was this quiet, uh, contemplative little story that... I didn't feel lost. I didn't feel that I got the grand picture of anything. Mm-hmm. The ending was a little confusing to me because, you know, I don't have any reference point. But having read this book, I was ready to go either, well, either find or buy Rat Queens Volume 1 and stick with it. And then I did a little more research and realized, why have I been putting this off? It's so, you would love this shit, man. This is a great book. In general, this mm-hmm. one shot was also fantastic. And you're, totally right completely stood on its own i think it's really interesting that you what you got out of this given that you've never read no idea any of this stuff before it doesn't hurt that fiona staples did the cover and orc dave just looks ripped tell me about this cover oh orc dave is just in this hot pool taking a little bath he is cut he's a big dude he's a big dude and he's got a little birdie on his finger and he looks more content than i've ever felt yeah, he's he is in uh he's Maxon. That's a good fits he's in. So Orc Dave, it's basically just the story of him and his dad talking about where they're both at in their lives, the expectations that they kind of have of each other, their disappointments in each other, but yeah. it's not like overwrought. It feels very kind of like you can tell that something important is going on and you don't really know what it is the entire book. Like you know that they are both at some kind of crossroads and they are mm-hmm. trying to get some stuff off of their chests, but it's not really clear why or what's going on. Just guessing. Yes. I don't feel that we've ever met Orc Dave's father in the comic book. Not that I can remember. Okay. I'm yeah. not I don't there's, need there's been to a lot of rat queens, but yeah, I don't think so. I don't need to, any answers, but this is definitely the first time that Orc Dave has met the rat queens. Mm-hmm. Um Again, the thing at the end, I was a little perplexed by. I don't want to ruin it for Rat Queens fans, but um, yeah, I it didn't take much for me to fall in love with 
Orc Dave. He yeah. just seemed like such a good dude in a society that maybe he doesn't fit in. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it just was, it was a cool story. Great art, great writing. And it's mostly just conversation right. between his father and him. Yep. And some funny quips about stealing a wagon full of booze. Yeah, the Rat Queens, when they do show up, they had the previous night stolen a wagon full of alcohol and they were all just like wrecked. Yeah, like barfing on each other. Like throwing, like one of them poisoned the other mm-hmm. one. Like it was, it, that's Rat Queens. That's a lot of Rat Queens. Okay. It's good shit. I can't wait to I dig highly, in. Anybody, anybody should read Rat Queens Volume 1. If you don't dig Volume 1, just you can just leave it alone. Okay. It's not going to be your thing. <laughs> But it's really, really good. So, two big picks this week. Wow. If only there was one giant comic book that came out that everyone's radar is just going we have, crazy over. We have to talk about Marvel Legacy. We have no choice. Okay, think, first off, would this have been your big pick if we good question. weren't going to just talk about it anyway? It was really good. I really, really liked it. Me too. I Mostly, I feel like if we didn't talk about Marvel Legacy, Curtis's ghost from <laughs> jail would burn this studio down yeah. while we were still in it. Even the thought of it, he would shiver and have no idea why. Yeah, but he would have his suspicions. He would, yeah. So this is Marvel Legacy. Number Marvel. one. Number one and only. There, yeah. will, there will be no other Marvel Legacies. Why did they put a number one on it? I Because of money, probably. People love number ones, and they're going back to the legacy numbering. Yes. Which is a big part of this book. I think they just needed one more sweet, sweet number one. You think oh, this is the I last hurrah? It, this is I it. I can't do another number. We're never going to do another number never, one ever, ever again. It's fucking this one. That's it. So Marvel Legacy is, let's, all right, let's back up a bit. Okay. What is legacy numbering? Legacy numbering, um, just sticking to the numbers that originally were published on said comic books. So like I know Iron Man, he's going to go back from like going from all these number ones all the time, he's going to be at like 690-something. Totally. Um, 593, 593, apparently. Yeah. I'm looking <laughs> I, at a thing. I didn't just know that. Um, I know that this it has become you know, kind of popular lately because of DC Rebirth, uh, Detective Comics, Action Comics. They went back to their legacy numbers, which were in the 900s, which in my opinion is just... DC being like, oh, when that 1,000 comes out, woo, we're going to sell one bajillion of them. Yeah. So, I mean, publishers do this all the time. Publishers change the number of their books Mm -hmm. every four years or so, three to four years, every few years at least, and they have been doing this for a really long time because it is intimidating for some folks to jump in at a book at, say, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy 146 or whatever. It is. And it is intimidating. As like a comic book reader, it it very much intimidates me, and I can't help but wonder, what did I miss? Right. What did I miss in those other 200 comic books I didn't read? They did this 145 times before. Like, I'm probably not going to get it. Like, that is a concern. So these books get renumbered all of the time, but we have these long continuities of these books, and you could... the idea behind it is that like these, there is something inherently cool about these big numbers, and you might agree or disagree with that, but that's clearly what Marvel's doing right now. Before, inevitably, in a few years, they will relaunch all of this stuff back at number one. Sure, that is how it goes. They're not going to few years, few months, whatever. Few, exactly, they're not. This is not kind of how it's going to be until the end of time. But it's just what they're doing right now. Or this is the last number one from Marvel ever. Or this, I'm holding in my hands the last number one from Marvel ever. Probably going to want to hold on to this yeah, one. Yeah, maybe. Might be worth something. <laughs> so it's not just the numbering that's changing with Marvel Legacy. There's also this 
sort of uh, we're, we're, we're hearkening back to some of the heroes that have been going through a lot of changes yes. over the past few years. Iron Man, Tony Stark, passes the mantle to Iron Heart, Riri Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bruce Banner is kind of at large. We don't know where he is. Amadeus Cho mm-hmm. became the totally awesome Hulk. Captain Marvel. Miss Marvel Captain now. Marvel's Miss Marvel. Thor becomes Thor. The more popular Thor. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Where Odin's son like, passes the hammer, gets taken by uh, Jane, Jane Foster. Foster. So it's almost like a it's almost like a, a mark of them of of mark like a what do you call those? It's almost like a subclass of comics in that they have their own line. Like there is a Wolverine legacy comic where it is X twenty three and yeah, so, OG Wolverine. So these are the generations one shots that you're talking about. Yes, yeah, generations. Where, where they actually have these books where like the two of them team up in some weird alternate timeline and they like have a little adventure and then mm-hmm. it's you know back to business as usual so those characters those like passing of the mantle characters really are what folks like the diversity in comics richard meyer have really been complaining about a lot and while marvel's having hard financial times there's no shortage of people that buy marvel comics that have been blaming it almost exclusively on these new comics or these new characters rather who for the large part happen to be not white men for the most part, they tend to be people of color. They tend to be women. It just, you know, it's different voices and different types of characters, right? And I can sort, I, this is the only thing I'll say about this. I can sort of see, like, if I was reading Thor since 1940, and all of a sudden, just because they wanted to shake it up, Thor's a lady, I'd be like, man, what happened? But, but having it- read this new Thor, it's Awesome. Let it happen. So I guess if you're reading it and you were just upset because there was a change and you always needed Thor to be the exact same character since the 60s, then, like, I guess. I guess. Whatever. But I don't. First of all, I think that person is probably maybe doesn't even exist in the world. Maybe stop reading Thor. And if you and if you maybe (laughs) stop reading Thor. But also, like, if you have been reading it, like, it's dope. And like. It's part of a thing that's happening with this character, and if you like actually gave a shit about it, then you would see how cool it is, and if you were actually following it month by month. And character development is, I think, a new thing in comics. Yeah. Like, all those older comics that, in my opinion, are hard to read, the like the OG Stan Lee ones, they're just punching. Now we've got characters that have real problems. We've got characters that are growing, like Odin's son, is a drunk now because he can't deal with the fact that Meow Meow the Hammer won't come back to him. Right. I think that's interesting because he's a big fixture in Jane Foster's Thor. Yeah. So we're getting sidetracked. So Marvel yes. Legacy is the uh, under uh, the negative way of looking at it, I guess, or the you know the more pessimistic or cynical way of looking at it is that Marvel's trying to you know, appease these folks that have been complaining about this new crop of characters. Marvel Legacy, and that and that's going back to the older numbering and bringing these mm-hmm. old characters back. Like, on paper, that's like, uh, I don't know if we're, you know, is this the right direction? I was concerned about it, personally. I was too, yeah. I'll keep an open mind, you know. And then this one-shot finally releases, and it's Jason Aaron and Asad Ribic. Who? So these are superstar creators. Yeah. Jason Aaron is one of the best writers in comics. Undeniably. Asad Ribic is like, dude, 
nobody draws like this dude. If you get a chance to read Secret Wars, it's worth it. It's worth the buy-in just for the art. Yeah. In my opinion. So this book starts in 1 million BC. Whoa. Yeah. And it just goes from there. We we open up on Odin struggling to pick up the Mjolnir hammer because, like, maybe he's already starting to, like, lose his worthiness a little bit. And we're taking we we're taken on a trip of these like original incarnations of these Avengers. Who do we got in one million BC? We've got Odin taking yeah. Thor's role. We've got the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. We don't know who that is, but mm-hmm. she looks awesome. Yeah. We've got the. I mean, I'm I'm going to assume that these are the originals, uh, the original Iron Fist, mm-hmm. who's a lady. Mm-hmm. We've got the original Ghost Rider who is riding, at least in the previews, a flaming mammoth and is also a lady. Yeah. We've got OG Black Panther, and we've got the man himself, Agamotto, who I assume forged the Eye of Agamotto that Doctor Strange just chills with all the time. And they don't call themselves Avengers. No. But they do talk about assembling. They do almost assemble. And they're fighting this thing. This thing. And it's a celestial. A celestial. And that's just kind of what we open up with. Yeah. We bop back and forth to our time, and we see all of these different heroes as, and, and these are the new crop of heroes for the most part. Basically, this book is just like, uh, it's, it's setting the stage a little it's, bit. Yeah. Who are all the characters? Who is, like, the who are the principal players in the Marvel Universe? What are they up to? Like, where are they at in their lives and in their superheroing, mm-hmm. more or less? And then there's this ominous thing kind of happening behind them. Something, something horrible is happening. Something mm-hmm. horrible is. A, we're gonna have to have a big fight soon. Probably a celestial. We don't right. really know. And it's a lot. It's a lot of pondering. Where did this come from? Where are we now? And how do we go forward? Yeah. Now that there is, you know, there's two, ca- there's three Captain Americas, if you really think about it, you know, yeah. Hydra Cap, Normal Cap, and then Sam Wilson Cap. Yep. There is Odin's son and Thor. There are uh, Old Man Logan and X-23. There's so many of these duplicate characters now. How do we keep passing the torch in this way? Right. And that seemed to be like the underlying theme of this book. So there's no, I mean, there's a plot sort of, but mostly it's just we're trying to see how these characters kind of relate to each other and how they fit into the the Marvel universe at Definitely. this point. And getting ready to like jump us into this new numbering, this like, you know, com- kind of company relaunch. So in theory, you could read this and then jump into any of these characters' books mm-hmm. going forward. So... This is not, there's nothing in this book to indicate that we're like setting aside any of these like new amazing characters. Like, this isn't the end of Riri Williams. This isn't right. the end of Sam Wilson. Although he's no longer Captain America, you know, he's still a fixture in the, the Marvel Universe. Right. It's not the end of Jane Foster as Thor. Correct. So, my immediate concerns about this book are assuaged by reading this. Definitely. And it's Jason Aaron. Like, it's while all this stuff's going on and there's a lot of, uh, you know, punching and Deadpool sitting in a bathroom stall getting shot in the face and all of the you know Marvel comic book shit there's also just Jason Aaron kind of meditating on legacy and what mm-hmm. and what does legacy mean and when we think about you know all of these superheroes have a mantle that they're trying to live up to and should we care about it what kind of legacy am I going to leave whose legacy am I following and that's really cheesy and silly under the wrong hands but Jason Aaron nails it I thought He's also extremely good at juggling multiple characters 
and keeping yes. the story moving forward. Because while there wasn't the biggest story in this comic, it still needed some momentum to keep my attention. And yeah. I thought I thought he succeeded in that. Yeah. Uh, Nick, did you like it? I did. I really liked it. Did you like it? I really liked it. Uh, Asad Rebic again. He, we were trying to figure out who drew everything because there is an all-star. It could be a whole comic con with just the dudes Seriously. and ladies that drew this book. But Asad Rebic is the main feature, and he does the one million BC, quote unquote, Avengers, and it is just it's stunning. It's crazy good. I mean, you got Chris Samney, Russell Dowderman, Alex Maleev, Ed McGinnis, Stuart Immonen. It just goes on and on. That like could the, be the number of different artists in this book. That could be a three-hour panel at C2E2. I would, oh, I would. And I would be there. I would I would interrupt Mark Wade at that panel. <laughs> Gladly. So I did like it. And it was, even though I wonder, I think you could read this, and if you're willing to be a little bit confused, you could get a sense of like what's going on in the entire Marvel Universe. After Definitely. This. It's like, there's some parts where if you don't know what's going on, you're going to be like, huh, what's he talking about? But there's enough care. Jason Aaron like gives you a sense of these characters so well that you you dig it, and you can, you can follow it for sure. Definitely. I thought the same thing. I'm pretty in tune to it, especially the big uh, crossover stuff. Yeah. I read all of that because I'm a dork, yep. and it's entertaining at least even when it's not that good secret empire and uh that being said though like this was still like uh there's a couple things i didn't understand who is star brand anyway right but yeah that's there's fair. a couple there's a couple things that i wasn't super into but like any comic book it was it was you know it was still solid especially all like all. a it's at least 50 pages it's a huge comic book. and i breezed right through it because it was really? so riveting i thought there's a lot of dialogue there's and I still was just, I just crushed it. It's just moving. Now. Can we I talk wanna... about why we really, why I really liked it though? Okay. But, oh. but in order to do that, we're oh. going to have to spoil some stuff a little bit. How much spoiling? We're going to completely spoil it. So if you don't want to hear about like the big reveals in this book, just skip ahead until you hear music. Hit that plus 15 yeah. button a few times just until you get hear out of music. here. Once you hear music, we're we are going to sp- about it. I, we had a discussion. We have to spoil this because have, there's too, too much juicy, juicy seeds in this apple. Yeah, so you've been warned. Are you? Did you skip ahead? Do Are you, you give gone? a shit? Maybe you don't care. Wolverine came back to life. Oh, I never saw it coming. So when last we saw Wolverine, he was encased in like molten adamantium and yep. left on a rooftop somewhere like Correct. shimmering in the sunlight. It was pretty dope. And then eventually moved to a log cabin in Canada. That's right. Yes. And we see that uh, adamantium thing is just ripped open. Just shredded up. And Wolverine is at large. Here he comes. Out in the world. He is now a truck driver. I'm being serious. That makes sense if you think about it. Yeah. He's kind of a loner. Yeah. What kind of podcast do you think Wolverine listens to? <sighs> we can talk about it later. <laughs> Cigar so- aficionado. <laughs> Bub Bob Weekly. Bob. So the other big reveal, and the one that really, like, I'm not afraid to. I'm not ashamed to admit this. I got a little chill up my spine. Oh, did when you? When I saw this, the Fantastic Four is coming back. Oh, well, I, well, we don't, we don't know that. We, we don't. We don't know that it's the Fantastic Four. We that some of us, smart ones, know and love. Yeah, but yes, some incarnation of the Fantastic Four is back. Yeah, and it it's rad. Yeah, it was really cool how they did it. Um, we've got. The Human Torch. Yes. We've got The Thing. Yes. They're hanging out on a rooftop. Didn't really understand the flare. 
Like, what are they? Are they trying to be menacing? Are they just trying to be like? They sent out. They sent out a big flare that was like the four symbol. Sure. On top of this roof. Like, yeah. What? I don't understand what that's for either. But I fucking loved it. I still. I was way into it. But then also hanging out in space. This entire real quick. Yeah. This entire comic, I thought. You know, you're given the illusion that Robbie Reyes, the go- the current ghostwriter, is having this dream of this million BC Avengers. Right. And you assume, oh, that's got to be the narrator that's been pushing on this deep thought legacy thing going on. It's got to be Robbie Reyes. It's not it. It's Valeria Richards. Ooh, who's that? That's the daughter of Reed and Sue Richards. Ooh. And Valeria's up there with Franklin. There it her is. Her brother. And they're up in space. We don't really know what they're up to. But they're getting ready to come back home. And Valeria's been narrating the entire time. Yeah. It's so good. It was really cool. I miss the Fantastic Four so much. I just got deep into that John Hickman run that have you read that one? You know Has I'm anyone on this podcast ever read that you, John Hickman? You no, know, uh, we've read it. We talked about oh, it all the fucking time. Oh, I was trying to make it funny. It's so good. Yeah. I recently fell in love with Valeria and Franklin Richard. Yeah. And now I'm I'm they're they're back already. I'm just a lucky duck. I'm glad I waited. It's uh, it's pretty exciting if you. I guess it's exciting to a, to a limited audience that cares about the Fantastic Four. But this book has been missing for years, and it's everybody kind of always assumed that it had to do with movie bullshit. That yeah, it, it was always due to the fact that like one, a different company owned the rights to, uh, like Sony owned the rights to mm-hmm. Fantastic Four, and not Marvel and Disney. So Marvel had no inclination to like make any comic books about it because they can't use it to help you know advertise for their movies or whatever and i mean i think that's right honestly if i mean Could, nobody really they've never actually commented on this like we've heard things here and there sure. but it makes sense like you know logically and it makes sense it does make sense and also you know like x-men comics have been shitty for the last five years and it's probably something to do with that too right but they've continued to put out x-men comics yeah you know that's saying? true but i also i think it was kind of nice for jonathan hickman who arguably wrote the best fantastic four run yes. to kind of get to end them for at least now, right. which is the end of Secret Wars. Spoiler alert. Except there was another run immediately after that. There was? And it was a pretty solid writer. I think it might have been Brian Wood. Are you sure about that? There was another run that was right after Hickman's run, but it, it ended shortly thereafter. But was it after Secret Wars is what I was asking. Before Secret Wars. Well, see, Secret Wars, the very end of Secret Wars, you that see. That caps it. Yeah, read, yeah, yeah. and you get Jonathan Hickman kind of saying goodbye to these characters that he obviously loves. Yeah. Also, I think it's a hard sell. Weird family team. It's just kind of weird. No, like nowadays. No, I so love good. it. It's so good, but it's a hard sell nowadays. You might be right. You might mm. be right. But it's coming back. Good. And is there any other spoilers? Um, Captain America eats at diners? Whoa! Gross. He's Coffee like and a hamburger. The, he's like hanging out at the diner and like his shield <laughs> is just... He's, like, he's supposed to be like incognito or whatever. Like He's like going out on the road to figure his shit out after being... Just being born into existence, I guess. Yeah. After Secret Empire and Evil Cap, just you know all that weird stuff. He's yep. figuring out his shit. He's just like going for a ride on a motorcycle without out of out of uniform. Nobody knows where Captain America is. Like you're talking on the news. Like what happened to Captain America? Like we should probably talk about this. And his shield is just like sticking completely out of his backpack. It's like yeah, that's fucking Captain America. I think. I think one of my favorite things about Cap nowadays is that when he has that suit on he is a master tactician yeah. he can take over the world he can do anything he needs to the second the mask is off he's a big old dope yeah and he just 
Like, I'm going to go to the diner, hope nobody sees my shield <laughs> hanging out of my backpack, and realizes I'm like 6'5", probably, and ripped and look like Captain America. Oh, well. Oh, well. It's one of the most famous people on yeah. Earth at that point. <laughs> Nobody notices. All Michael, right. Michael Jordan just tucks his shoes under like a blanket when he goes to a diner. Nobody sees Nobody it. can tell. Hmm. Oh, well. Uh, that's the end of our spoilers for Marvel Legacy. Marvel Legacy number one is available now. And it's worth a read. It's definitely worth a read. We say this about, it seems like we say this about all the big crossovers, but this one is like, it's a one shot. Yeah. It's and a little pricey, $5.99, but it's, it's, it's a lot 50 of comic. pages of just pure good art, yeah. good writing, and super fun if you're a Marvel fan. Absolutely. And, and it's not, and usually if this was the beginning of a long crossover, I would give my normal cautionary sure. thing, but it is, it's just a one shot for an entire company relaunch. Like if you even have a passing interest in the Marvel universe, like just read this and see what you think. Yeah. It's fun. It's good. So our big picks this week were Rat Queens from Image Comics, Special, Orc Dave number one, Kill Them All by Kyle Starks from Oni Press, and Marvel Legacy number one from Marvel Comics. Maybe I said that one twice. Worth as much Hey, we have a listener question. It's from Tim. Timbo. Timbo. Okay, got the Timbos on the toes. This is how it goes. Hey, gang. You guys talk a lot about the current state of the comic books. If you could wave a magic wand over the industry and make it better, what would you do? Relatively better to you, I am assuming what he says. It's a pretty good question. Not Can just we... like all of a sudden kids are just buying comic books like crazy. That magic would be, wand. That would be sweet. I would dig that one. You? No, what we could probably, we should actually, we'll answer this question now. We should okay. also ask it to Curtis and Marcus when they get back, because it's a really good question. I don't think they're going to make parole, dude. All right. We'll send them a letter Ooh. in prison. We'll send them a cake. And we'll, oh. for their birthday. No, I see what you're saying. Because you could put cake, anything in that cake. Well, no, on the cake, we'll just write Tim's question. Oh, that thinking? makes more sense. Yeah. Mind know. in the gutter, Y-Bar. They need to serve their time, actually. They yeah. need debt to pay to society. <laughs> it's nice and airy in here. It doesn't yeah. smell like Marcus's beard goop. <sighs> Two dudes is better than three dudes. <laughs> I love those guys so much, but man... It's just it's just a little bit airier in here. The name of this episode is definitely Two Dudes Are Better Than Three Dudes. <laughs> so, here's what I think. Real quick. Magic wand. Magic wand. Comic industry, completely changed. Could do anything you want. To make it better. Like, to, what do you think would make it better? Practical things that you could do to the industry. I think the first thing you could do is add actual returnability for retailers. Right now... Customers are not the people that are driving comic books. Retailers are the people driving comic books. Correct. Right? So the reason that is is because we have to we have to buy everything, and then it just sits with us, and no one knows if anyone bought it. So if I buy 80 copies of Marvel, Marvel Legacy today, yes. it's not going to make that number go up 80. You got it. You're just out of 80. Marvel of doesn't really know what the reaction was or if a bunch of people bought and enjoyed their book. They just know that, as a retailer, I bought at least 80 copies of it. They have, cool. So we, they know how many I bought, and they know if I bought a shitload of them. But if, it, if nobody cares, then I just have a bunch of comics sitting at the comic shop. Unless I can return them. 
And then Marvel has a sense of a little bit closer of its sense because I still might return to them and keep some of them for the shelf, right? But you might have a sense of what's like actually being sold Mm -hmm. out of these stores. Also, as a retailer, it would give me a little bit of flexibility to take a risk on something. Always a good thing. Maybe buy, you know, 30 copies of Kill Them All. Or a bunch of comics by white males. For instance. roll the dice on that one. For (laughs) instance. And then send them back. And then send them right back. Exactly. (laughs) Didn't work. Didn't work. Uh, So that's the first thing, and that's a no-brainer. Returnability for the industry. That would be a game changer. This is how bookstores function. Like, just your average, like, local bookstore. They get to send back the stuff that they don't sell. Then that is, it makes a, not only for the health of, like, the kind of comics that get carried in Mm -hmm. a comic book store, but, like, for the health of that retailer. And you got, you, Curtis... You shouldn't have to read the minds of the future to know what's going to be popular. It's borderline impossible. Yeah. And that's why comic games, a hard game, I'm told. And you're still going to have to do it, even if you have returnability. You're still going to have to guess at what anybody might give a shit about. But at least you can hedge your bets on the side of selling a book rather than not having enough of a book. Exactly. So if, number one, if we didn't do anything else, if my magic wand ran out of juice after that one, just returnability. Here's my second one. Okay. This is the last one I'm going to say. Cause I have a lot of thoughts on this, but the last one I'll say is no more variants. No, none? Okay. That's not what I mean by that. Maybe no more Nick. numbered variants. So Go I, on. I love a good cover to a comic book. Same. I, I love having a comic book and a different cover to it. And I love being able to yeah. look at them both and being like, I like this one and I want mm-hmm. this one. Right? But the way, so, the way that the system is built around variants is stupid and broken so you can only buy for a lot of variants especially variants for the big two for your marvels and dcs you can only get them for every x number of books that you order otherwise so for a one in 25 variant i gotta order 25 copies of the main cover if i want to order one cover copy of the variant cover and then there are some books where you can just order a bunch of variants right Mm -hmm. because there's this sense of collectability behind it so retailers have to order a bunch of variants because it's not about the book or the quality of the book. It's purely about speculation at that point. Mm-hmm. And this is my argument, is that variants lead to... The, all they do is feed a weird speculative part of the industry that has nothing to do with the quality of the book. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. So if we get rid of that aspect of it, and the only variants we have is if you send a creator a book and they're inspired to like write, make a cool cover for it, right? and you can order it just like you would anything else, and you don't have to pay more for it, that leads to a healthier industry. Sure. I love a good variant. I love a good variant. I love a good different, I don't want to call it, I just, just a, I love a good different cover by a, yeah. by a cool artist that I like. Um, favorite variant recently. Any well, idea? What is yours? Mine? Uh, I really... Mike Mignola's Nam Wolf number two cover was yeah. just on point. That shit is really, really good. Yeah. Can't Brandon Graham had a great variant cover oh, this week for that book, Beautiful, beautiful Death. Death. Yeah, that was a great variant cover. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, too much focus on variants. That's that's that that's a unhealthy thing for the industry. If in they're general. just if they're just coming with the rest of the books, awesome. Yeah, and like like. We were talking. Headlopper always has a good variant. Yep. But I didn't have to dig through a million to find that Gabriel Ba variant cover, which that, is awesome. That was priced it up. Just, yeah, it wasn't priced up. It wasn't anything. It was just I had a choice, and it was awesome that I did. Yeah. Anything that leads to more 
like treats this treats buying comic books like speculation or like an investment or is not healthy for the industry in the long run i think what about you if you could wave a wand nick nick mm. Bertzos, what would you do what would you wave that wand at my i have two big pet peeves okay biggest one writer artist consistency okay especially at the big two especially um this isn't really an issue with c- creator owned stuff mm-hmm. you know um if you are a creator and you like Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples, they are never going, it's never going to get where Brian K. Vaughn isn't writing Saga. Sure. Or Fiona Staples isn't write or isn't drawing Saga unless, you know, they're having like a fun little offshoot. Right. Which they decide on, just like variants could be decided on. Um, I just... You want to see more writers and artists working in synergy on one book for, for, the, for as long as that run will allow. As long as the run will allow. I don't think that they should get chained to their desks i don't believe that they should have even the their contracts or anything mm-hmm. but until the story's over i just hate when it gets to like number 12 and then number 13 is a completely different artist a mm-hmm. completely different author it just it takes me completely out of it and i don't get the end of the story i started yeah and i hate that i could see that i really hate like uh ghost rider the most recent ghost rider run with trad moore drawing and I think he was helping write it. I can't, it, off the top of my head, I can't remember exactly who wrote it, but I'm buying that for the art. Yeah. So when number seven comes out and it's a completely different artist in a story, I really didn't care that much that about. That was like midstream yeah. in the story too? Well, I mean, it had an arc and it had some closure, but I didn't, you know, yeah, I yeah. wanted to learn more about this character. Ugh, what a bummer. I could see that. Yeah. I could see that. Give me your number two. What number else would you two. change? You could change something. Make death matter. Make death matter? That's a fucking Again, ominous statement. Make death matter. God. Um, big two are the big culprits. Wolverine's back. So you're saying a superhero <laughs> dies. Who cares? And nobody cares anymore. I don't. Do you? No. I mean, it just, it doesn't make a big difference in the in the, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. We lost a lot of superheroes in the last two years. I know uh, Civil War Two. we lost... Uh, War Machine, mm-hmm. Secret Empire, we lost Black Widow. They'll be back. I am not even worried about it. Yeah, and there's like, sometimes in the context of the story, the way they die can be kind of cool or impactful. Definitely. I remember there was a moment where like She-Hulk in, I think it was Civil War Two, got put into a coma. Mm-hmm. And I thought that She-Hulk was dead for a minute. And even though I read comic books for a living, I was still <laughs> like, oh shit, she better be okay. I was like legitimately worked up. They that got She-Hulk. You like, but they fucking got me again. They always get me again. That's the last time I can remember actually giving a shit about a near death even. And the coma was almost better than a death. Right. Because, I mean, uh, at least War Machine just died off off camera. Right. Which is just even, it's just even sadder. That was weird. Anyway, the big two are the main culprits. But listen to this. This is, this is my theory on it. Yeah. Saga, The Walking Dead. I'm going to go outside of comics. Game of Thrones. Yeah. People love these shows because they love the characters and they know that at any minute they could just kick it. Yeah, they're John, gonna die. Yeah, Jon Snow came back though, huh? Uh, so then you ca- this takes me to a third and fourth option. Okay, the third option I call the Remender option. Rick Remender just fucks with my heart in this way, and I don't like it as much. I like the saga method, The yeah. Walking Dead. Something dies, it stays dead. I guess The Walking Dead that isn't true, but whatever. In a different way. Rick Remender. <laughs> He constantly gets you attached to these characters, kills them, and then finds some dumb loophole. Yeah. And that drives me nuts. It's like every single book he's, he ever writes. I, it drives me insane. Yeah. Um, the 
unpopular, but I think kind of a good one for superheroes especially, the Hellboy option. Hellboy is dead. Mike Mignola has said, I am done. He has died. You will not see him in the future at all. But let's go revisit 1963 when he had this other adventure. And I know that is, is... in and of itself, its own loophole, but then you get this nice little period piece, no, and you can give it to so some different sense. artists. And you can do that with superheroes so easily. Any of them, like, so, and no one does that shit. No one. And that also takes you out of. That also addresses another one of my things in comics, which is like this: the continuity slavery, like this, this sense that like everything has to tie together to every other book all of the time, and it's all actually happening together in this like one fictional universe, which is hard for fiction and it's yeah. hard for storytelling and the fiction suffers as a result of that right yeah but if you could just like pop up like hey you're about to read some cool shit by this new creative team that's going to write it the entire time mm-hmm. and it takes place in the 70s yeah and whatever happened there just that happened and enjoy it and then it's over batman 66 is a good example people love that book yeah because it's it's i mean it's a variation on the character basically yeah but He's got his own little thing. It's got that 66 vibe. It's a little campy. Like you said, what if we had Avengers in the 80s? Oh, I want that. Like, I or, want that. Or it was just like uh, some X-Men adventures before the Dark Phoenix saga. Right. Right. And you got the like OG team, and it's just like they're kids, and it's set in the 80s, and we could all laugh at how silly those were. Yeah. It'd this, be so much better. This is the thing is like we, we always forget with this stuff that like it's fake. It's fake. Wait, what? You can do whatever you want to it. Anything. You like the, we don't actually have the con it's not real. It's, it's not actually set in the Marvel universe. There um, actually is no Marvel universe. Um actually, no, I'm just kidding. It's just You're right. I I, I agree with you. I think the Hellboy option is it's a good one. A very good one. And then to We're come back to what you're saying, like it does. Like you can make death meaningful because you never have to stop telling stories about these characters. True. You they've been around for 75 plus years mm-hmm. at this point like you can just do that's a lot of time to play with yeah what if we what if we had a dark phoenix saga from a different perspective same story different same perspective. story different perspective i would read that i, would I don't know i think shit out of that i think some marvel titles are coming into it like scott summers is now a teenager but it i mean it doesn't make that much sense but he's back you know scott summers is evil and dead at this point yeah so now we brought back theoretically good Scott Summers and that's that's like a step forward I guess right but I don't know well that's what we would do we're gonna have to we'll ask the other dudes what they think yeah I would like to hear their opinion I would like to hear their their wrong opinions on that ours were right though just pretty sure bruh god I feel good about this I was worried that with two people we wouldn't be able to fill up an hour and here we are three hours later turns out a couple assholes like us put a microphone in front of our face just talk for a while but that we should probably call it that's it that's it nick there's nothing else we can do nick well nick it was a pleasure as always yes i love being here thank you thank you this has been another episode of super skull our producer and editor is rachel polk and our music is created by a bomb super skull is recorded every week at the ann arbor district library please subscribe download review and tell a friend or something about the super skull on itunes or stitcher if you would thank you for doing that for real thank you yeah. and don't forget to follow us on Twitter Facebook on our website Super Skull Show is how you find us Super Skull is brought to you by Vault of Midnight Earth's finest comic books and stuff and podcasts since 1996 my name is Nick Wybar I'm Nick Versos and we wish you good reading until next week 
Do 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 do.